Welcome to Stuff We've Seen. This is Jim, and with me, as always, is Teal. How's it going, buddy? Uh, going pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, enjoying the fall here in uh, the year 2023. You're just getting ready for all those residual checks to resume now that uh, the WGA strike is over. I am no longer on strike. I negotiated my way to a much better deal, so yes. I think we'll all be happy with the new minimum basic agreement. I know. I need a podcasting deal where they pay us <laughs> for episodes that are out there, even if uh, we have no agreements with anybody, but <laughs> just some nice residuals for the effort. Some, uh, some podcast residuals would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now I wonder, you know, the writing's great. They can get that going. But like, what about uh, the acting? Does that mean that they are going to kind of try to get that settled? Because you'd think they want to get productions going again, right? Yeah, and I think it's easier to settle with the actors because uh, they're weak. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I, I Well, I would like to think that some of those agreements, some form of that, if they've agreed it, then they can bring that stuff over because it's the same people that are involved, right? <laughs> the same producer. They can. but And, I, you know, I was sort of joking, but, but it's true that SAG is traditionally a weaker union than the WGA. Um, part of that is because of its size. Uh, you know, the WGA, I think, has about 4,000 members. I think SAG has about 60,000. So it's a much different kind of thing. There's a lot, of, you know, out of that 60,000, I would say like 80% of them haven't worked in the last year. There's so many more people in it, and they don't work quite as much or as frequently as writers often do. So they're just, uh, I, I think they will... Uh, uh, they will negotiate. They're not going to hold out at the way the writers did. But I would think, though, that there's stuff that if the producers agreed to with the writers, some of those things will have to carry over. I mean, again, in yeah, some of those things will. Yeah, some of those things will definitely carry over. And I, I like I think with streaming residuals, they worked out a formula for that that I think is likely to carry over to SAG. And actually, I mean, again, I, I don't make any money from any of this, but I looked at some of those details on the stream residuals, and I think that I think there's interest. Certainly, there's going to be more money coming in for the writers than they were getting, and it's about time yeah. with with streaming that uh, you know they they get something for the effort. <laughs> Absolutely, despite the fact that the streaming industry is just losing money billions over billions uh it's a total failure of a business model and they're not making any money and uh oh of course no money whatsoever i i, I watched the south park <laughs> well, the, specials on that <laughs> no but it's true like disney plus is losing money well again this is not that's not necessarily the writers or the actors problems that's like a business model issue <laughs> No, it's a business model issue, but it's it's interesting that they uh, you know haven't figured out how to work in a post cable package world. There is no new model for that that's actually working. I kind of think that if everyone had gone in on Netflix, it might have worked out. But well, but also, I mean, we're getting what's being reported. The problem is is that unlike where the TV and Nielsen ratings, right, were established right. and everything was yeah. tied into advertising there and movie box office results. The studios, though they, uh, behind the scenes, do everything they can to make things look like failures when they're not, they have been able to do smoke and mirrors with streaming results because you yes. are up to their words of what they say. So you can say, yeah, this is a failing business, but you have to be able to 
prove that wrong. Um, but the problem we can all see is there's way too many streaming services out there. Exactly. And people yeah. are not going to pay for all of them. And it'll be interesting in a few months when the well does start to dry up because there's been months where nothing's yeah. been there. People are going to be like, there's nothing on. I don't need to have this service. Exactly. And I kind of am starting to feel that way anyway for a lot of these services. And then, of course, you know, the bigger picture, and I can see it, and it's it's just, I can see it happening. We saw it with the box office results this summer, is the putting all of your eggs in the uh, comic basket <laughs> for the big <laughs> tent poles it's uh it's already starting to backfire for dc i mean if you you can't just put any comic movie out there and expect people to go flocking to it they have to want to and you know you didn't go see blue beetle yeah i know i missed that <laughs> i didn't i didn't feel the need i think it's on uh max right now and uh yeah. that's a problem when, when the movie is even available to me in my service, I could care less. And, uh, you know, and then even Marvel, look, they seem to defy odds where they'll put out subpar product now for, you know, level 10 <laughs> superheroes. Yeah, and, and people will still show up. But I have to say, I've seen this trailer uh, for the Marvel movies there, the, the you yeah. know, Captain Marvel part two, whatever. And that just looks terrible. I can't imagine. Did you watch the Miss Marvel show? I did not. Okay. I, I watched as much of She-Hulk as I could, and She-Hulk was terrible, and that's it. I can't. They've diluted the brand with these shows. Yeah. Well, Miss Marvel is better than She-Hulk, and it's still not very good. But the movie looked like just, to me, uh, uh, you know, that character comes over into the movie, but the movie just looked like another episode of the TV series to me. And it's like they've all, everything Marvel has all become the same. It's all, it's all the same dreary formula. And it's sort of like, it's sort of like the Netflix problem where everything on Netflix looks like it's framed to be watched on a phone. Yep. And uh, Marvel has a similar problem where it's like everything is now just these weird, like generic packages of canned soup where you just get the same stuff every time. Again, they seem to still have the box office hits. We'll have to see on this Marvels thing. But yeah. what is also happening, unfortunately, and it ties into their streaming and why you get content on the streaming and, and try to capture that audience. And if, if what you say is true, that they're losing money, well, it's going to be really bad because what they've basically decided that unless it's some big film, they've they've... Yeah, uh, helped guide an audience into you should just see these big screen movies and yes. and and that's it. And so every other movie doesn't count, and we're going to put it on the streaming service in a few weeks. So if you don't feel like I want to spend, you know, who knows how much you have to spend on a ticket to go see it in the theater? Don't worry, in three weeks you can see it at home where you're not going to be disturbed <laughs> by kids on their exactly. cell phones and other stuff. Yeah. So they've really ruined their own business. And yes. I myself don't know what the future really holds for a lot of movies. And the thing is, it's on a streamer three weeks later. It's not on cable six months later, right? So yeah. if, if it was on cable, the studio was making money off cable packages. They don't even have the Blu-ray DVDs anymore. Exactly. Yeah. So so all these other uh, incomes, revenue streams are now not there. And if 
people are churning their streaming services, then they're not getting enough subscribers to even cover their production cost. And so they went huge on production to try to bring in viewers. Uh, All the streamers did massive production. And now they're like, oh, Oh, uh oh, I guess we don't actually have the viewers to support the level of, you know, we can't be spending $15 million an episode on, a, on this. Well, I have a great example of a movie yeah. that, that a lost in the shuffle film that I guess 15 years ago should have been a big hit. And, and yet it, it made it to a theatrical release. And if it was just suddenly plopped on streaming and it never hit theaters, it would really get lost in the shuffle. But, uh, I'm thinking of um, Superbad there. Remember that from yeah, the, yeah. Right? Well, that movie made like eighty, ninety million dollars at the box office. Pretty big hit, you, massive hit. I'm thinking of this film uh, directed by fairly new uh, director Emma Seligman called Bottoms, and I caught yes. it in the theater. I wanted to see this movie. I wanted to laugh, and I wanted to see it on a big screen. But then I see it, right? And one week later, it's available for streaming download stuff. Yes, it's, it's on demand a week later. And I knew that was going to happen, but I still chose to put my dollars because I wanted to see this film in a theater. And this is the film yeah. that I feel like in another day and age, this thing should have made a good $75, 80000000 million. And now, you know, it's a movie that hopefully gets discovered once it hits like actual streaming yeah. platforms. And it's just a shame because it's like there's no room for movies like this anymore. Well, and especially, uh, I think, you know, this is, it's a comedy and comedies are just not playing. uh, They're just not bringing people into the theater anymore at all. And it's weird because those are the movies that work the best in the theater with a crowd. (laughs) Yes. But they're, they're just, uh, I can't remember the last time I saw a comedy in the theater. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to. Oh, well, you saw this. Yeah. Yeah. But that's one of the reasons why, because when was the last time I saw like this type of comedy in the theater? It's been a while. Well, since we're going to talk about bottoms now, uh, it, it helps that the movie is actually funny, right? Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to say, you know, so many comedies uh, over the last few years, I just don't laugh. And this movie is actually funny. You, you will actually laugh watching this movie. Well, I told you to see, like, and then I knew it was available. And I knew you didn't see it at the theater. I'm like, you know what? It's you know you got to watch this thing. It's I think it's pretty funny because it takes a familiar kind of story, but it flips it with a lot of new things. Um, yeah, and and I really like it because it it was not just directed by this Emma Seligman. It was written by her and co-written by the, the lead actor in the movie Rachel Senat, but she was also in her first film uh, Shiva Baby. Yes, which I have not seen. Rachel. Senat and uh, Ao Edabiri, who is uh, plays the Sydney in the Bear, um, yeah. she's really starting to make a name for herself. They play this couple of high school lesbian pals, PJ and Josie. Yes, the uncre the, the <laughs> what are they called? The untalented gays or something? Something like that. And uh, <laughs> and in this world, what's great is that nobody's bashing them because they're lesbians. They're bashing them because they're lesbian losers. Like they're not doing it well right. enough. Yeah, <laughs> they're like loser lesbians. They aren't cool lesbians. They they don't do great in school. They aren't super good at anything. They're just kind of losers. <laughs> and, and they're hilarious. I mean, the dialogue between them is hilarious. 
they're similar to the guys in Superbad. They're very much that same interplay between them, right? Yeah. They're hilarious. They they kind of put themselves down, and y- you're going to follow them. And the movie has a similar premise to Superbad, which is, hey, let's get some girls. Right. They, all right. In Superbad, they're trying to get some girls, and <laughs> they're trying to get some girls. They're trying to get the cheerleaders and the cheerleaders' best they're friends. They're trying to get the cheerleaders, yeah. And, <laughs> and so to do that, they start a little school club. Yeah, a school a fight club. <laughs> they yes, start a fight club because fight. everybody for some reason they, they they don't correct people when they made when they made like sort of a joke that they were in juvie over the summer and right. so they just run with that and now they've got some street cred so they start a, start a fight club it's cool i'm starting to laugh just thinking about this movie i gotta say i mean i don't you know me i don't like comedies i know well i have to pick the right ones for you to watch I, like. I don't find them funny but this movie uh i i'm like i said i'm laughing just talking about it now because i'm thinking of these scenes and you know like uh the fight club scenes are hilarious but also all the dialogue the little character interactions and sometimes when i watch you know young people movies i feel a little old this movie didn't make me feel old i gotta say uh i think it's it's fairly open in terms of who the audience can be for this as long as you're not some i don't know uh book banner Right. Yeah, book banners might stay away. Yeah, if you're a book banner, this is not the movie for you. There's even a great uh there's even a great little one-liner that gets thrown out. I mean, there's so many like quick one-liners, yeah. but I found it, it and I can I'm going to botch the joke, so I'm not even going to really try, but they say something to some girl in class, they like kind of insult her, and they say something about her like vagina or something and she like kind of scoffs and says, "No, my vagina belongs to the government." Yes, and and, and <laughs> the movie is filled with those like like women murdered in history is like a, a report they have to do right <laughs> who invented uh, he has written on the board at one point who invented fe- feminism right. gloria steinem <laughs> a man another woman <laughs> it's like those are the abc options and the movie is packed wall to wall with little jokes like that that are in throwaway lines there's they're on signs in the backgrounds like there's this guy jeff who's the all-american hero football player and like there's signs of him all over the school in the background so i think like repeated viewings there's jokes going on uh throughout the film that maybe you don't pick up on the first one and you know this guy jeff is hysterical it takes all these high school movie tropes and amplifies them and plays them off each other in a way that's kind of it's hyper real right it is hyper real yeah yeah it's totally it it takes place not in like the principle is like you committed a crime against jeff yeah, <laughs> that's actually breaking the school rules and so it, it it's it's a slightly surreal world but it feels to me very consistent and i know that grumpy old men like richard brody think that it didn't manage the tone well and that the characters don't have any- oh really he didn't like it he had a problem with it oh oh he had a problem and the problem is that richard brody is a grumpy old man yeah and <laughs> <laughs> and his you've got to read his review i almost brought quotes from it today just because uh, it is it is such a i'm a grumpy old man and i don't get what the young people are up to and therefore it's not as good as mean girls 
it's funny. I don't even, when I watch a film like this, I wasn't even comparing it, but I guess, you know, I think this is probably for me anyways, it was more enjoyable than Mean Girls. Um, <laughs> I watched this with my teenage daughter. Yeah. I want to know, did, did your wife also watch it? Yes. All okay. three of us watched it and uh, I had to talk them into it. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, I know they're not huge. Like your 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 wife's not a huge movie fan. Well, yeah, but she likes to watch uh, teen movies. That's okay. her favorite genre. So you know, I had that going for the selling point. The problem with this movie is the title. Right. The title is a problem, a big problem, because it misleads you in terms of what the movie's about. Because bottoms refers to them being at the bottom of the social order. Right. Right. But bottoms has a different meaning in the LGBTQ community. Yes. And that's what my daughter thought the movie was about. Oh, no. I think it's a play on that. <laughs> yeah, it's a play on that. So anyhow, I showed her the trailer. She said, okay, I'll watch it, whatever. Afterwards, she said, this is a documentary about my high school. <laughs> <laughs> She was like, this is exactly what it's like in my high school. Exactly. It's not even a comedy. That's great. Or not great. <laughs> and she basically said, this is like the greatest movie ever made. I love it. I, I got to give, you know, I'm giving props to this <laughs> Emma Segelman and her, and her like her sort of partnership here. Yeah. In creativity with this Rachel Sanat, who uh, I've seen, uh, I watched that terrible, terrible uh, show on HBO, The Idol, this summer. Oh, yeah. She's in that. Yeah. And she's the, like that. the only interesting thing, one of the only interesting things in okay. that show. Um, I like I like this actor, and I think yeah. that, that this actor is going to do a lot of great things, and fantastic in this movie. Well, and also, this was a movie where I didn't really mind that the high school, that all the actors were like 25. It didn't bother me at all. No, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, usually it bothers me. Usually it bothers me, but I felt like this is taking place in a, it, it because it's stretching reality a little bit, I'm willing to like just go, okay, yeah, they're high school kids, whatever. But yeah, so my daughter loved this movie, just thinks, and she's uh, having all her friends over to watch it this weekend. Oh, that's great. So I think this movie is destined to become a high school cult classic. Uh, it's going to, like you said, because it, it didn't, the, the whole distribution scheme uh, means that this is a movie that's going to have to be discovered by people. And maybe that's better because if you discover this movie, you feel like you really found something special and you want to share it. And that's how cult films work. And I can see this becoming the high school party movie in the future. Uh, I think it's destined to become a classic. Like, I don't know, the only other movie I would put in this category from like the last decade is Booksmart. Yeah, yeah. Which is a good movie. Yeah, and, and I think those are similar sort of in uh, I don't know. They're very different movies. I think that the one thing that this has that I really like, and it's maybe what puts it a little bit above Booksmart for me, is this film has an attitude, and I really like the attitude about it. Yeah, and it, and it's not just an attitude of the characters, which is maybe the case with Booksmart, is, but it's the attitude of the entire world, of the whole script itself. Uh, it's got a lot of personality, and, uh, and it's got violence, which Booksmart <laughs> doesn't have. Right. And violence, if done correctly, can be really funny. 
And it is in this case. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, again, when we start this show, I'm not exactly sure 100% how it'll go. But now that we've talked about Bottoms First, I think this is an interesting segue into something, another movie that's completely different, yet there's a lot of similarities. <laughs> um, you know, we said we were going to talk about horror movies this episode. And yes. then what happened is we did see a bunch and we'll, we'll mention them, uh, but they weren't very good. Um, so... That kind of derailed what we were going to do because it's just like, I can't spend my time talking about a bunch of movies I won't recommend, but Criterion, <laughs> okay, well, you have a movie you will recommend? Oh, no, you can talk about how bad you didn't, you want to disrecommend films. Uh, I, there are a couple, a couple of these I feel like I need to let people know that they're losers for liking them. Okay. Well, we were going to, we're going to get into that after we just talk about this, because here's a <laughs> film that I can see a lot of people being like, no, but I was like, yes. Criterion is doing a feature of high school horror movies, and 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 I think that the term horror is a little bit loose here because I don't know if they're like straight out horror films. But one title, well, well yeah, I mean, well, but one title, I, I, I think that in looking for horror movies that have come out in the last year, I've noticed that the genre has some fuzzy edges, and basically. Okay. If it involves death and any kind of gore at any point in the movie, then suddenly it moves into the horror category. Okay. And so, yeah, I think, and, and this movie you're about to talk about, I think maybe would be more of a thriller, but it has enough little horror elements that, I don't know. I think the line between thriller and horror is pretty blurry at this point. Criterion's doing this little series and I went to look and see what the films are and I'd seen most of them. And so I'm like, oh, all right, there's nothing new to see here. But was one title that stood out and in the title itself made me go, I can't see another one of those. It was this movie called Massacre at Central High. And I'm like, it's like another like prom night or something. And yeah, uh, and yet another one of these. Yeah. But I read the description of what this was and that intrigued me because it had a little bit more on social hierarchy in high school and a bent on fascism and and i'm like what what is this movie so my my wife and i and my <laughs> oldest sat down and watched this film which was uh well it it didn't show up in the united states until 1977 i did some checking and it was just it was like strictly like low rent theaters and drive-ins. And that's probably why right. the title Massacre at Central High, it was designed to like reviewers are probably not even going to review this movie. It's going to show as a second great hit at the drive-ins. And yeah. it came out in 77 at the theaters, but it was from 1976. And so, you know, it's going to be a low budgety kind of schlocky uh, grindhouse type film slasher type movie i mean massacre is central high just tells you there's going to be some uh somebody with a knife <laughs> yeah. massacring teenagers uh, you know that's that's what we're up for but <laughs> well but we watch this movie and through the entire film we are just hooping it up loving it it's just everything about these kind of clunky low budget films that are just you couldn't get away with in a regular movie and yeah plot points that 
don't seem to make sense. You talk about bottoms creating a whole different world. This is a world where until like the very end of the movie, there's not even a single adult. Mind you, though, except for the high school students are all played by people in their 20s. And even though they were the early 20s, they look like they were 30 because that's how kids look back then. But there are no there are no adult characters, right? And it, until the last scene of the movie, there they very uh, it, there's only one or two scenes where I feel like oh there really would be an adult here, but mostly it's done by just picking the scenes where there aren't adults, like they're between classes or they're outside after school, and so we never see any parents, any teachers. They mention the principal once or twice, but there are no adult characters in the film until the last scene, and that's a pretty bold thing, uh, an interesting thing to do for like a low budget slasher movie. If you just broke this movie down as in sort of plausibility, believability, etc., it fails. However, because of these choices, it is really interesting because what I find when you're talking about the teenage world, teenage world especially like in a high school. Yeah, there's there's the teachers. Those are the adults and they teach you things, yeah. hopefully. But Aside from that, teenagers are really focused on their own world away from adults, and they want to do things away from adults. And so we just scrape those adults out of the picture, and yeah. you get to just focus on these high schoolers. And it is such a weird movie about really three plus one bullies that are running yes. the entire school. And it's sort of as if like an established fact that it has to be this way. And they run around like SA stormtroopers, like basically yeah. keeping everybody in line. And then you have the classic trope of the the new kid arriving at school. Yeah. And he is a bit of a rebel without a cause, and he is not going to fall in line. And when he gets his comeuppance and then takes revenge, what it yeah. does to the student body and the kids that have been kept in line suddenly without like well, a, a leadership void vacuum the kids yes. sort of become fascists themselves <laughs> well they all start taking on different roles like the kid who was bullied becomes a bully and so they are all start filling in the gaps in the social order and taking on new roles and he thinks oh they're just as bad as the who was there before better take them out too <laughs> yeah it's this guy uh this guy david is the lead character he's played by this actor uh, Daryl Morey, and he would show, like, his face was so familiar. He used to show up in a yeah. lot of stuff in the 70s and 80s. And even in this weird sort of, you know, B actor, B movie, I found his performance super interesting and captivating. <laughs> Because it's a complex character because he comes in and he's going to be the out-of-town hero who saves the town and then he becomes the villain. And the villain kind of ends up becoming the hero by the end of it. It's very, uh, it, 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 it's a very resourceful script. And this is something I've been thinking a lot about lately is that, you know, a, a script has a premise, right? And you get that in the beginning. And then it's a question of, does it keep doing its premise for the rest of the movie or does it build on it and find new angles to look at that premise and, and twist it and examine it in new ways and keep building on itself 
instead of just going in circles. And uh, this is a movie that takes that initial concept of bullies running the school and goes so far with it, really as far as you can almost, and and t- keeps tweaking and finding new new things in this. And so that's what was so fun to me watching it is that you think you know where it's going and then it kind of twist and opens up in a new way and suddenly it's this whole sociological experiment and you know not just about the new kid in town well and also the massacre as the massacre elements yes the way they're executed they're like stand up and applause awesome (laughs) i just like i loved it and that's the horror movie element right Are, are those scenes yes and they are they are awesome and then you know, I doubt many people are going to watch this movie, so I don't really mind spoiling some stuff. But there is a, uh, you know, the plot at the end of the movie is to blow up the school. And that is a plot point you could not do anymore. I mean, the whole thing, I feel like you could not do a remake of this movie, if, even though it's such a good concept. Heather's is probably, the, it, Heather's, I feel like, is directly inspired by it. Well, I, that would be interesting, right? Do we, uh, we? I haven't done that research, but I'm fascinated to know whether Heather's just happened on a, something similar, or did it actually... It is inspired by it. I, I did a little research, and the oh, director okay. said that 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 was served as some inspiration yeah because it is that idea that like if the school is this just poisonous and distraught we just blow it all up right to start again yes. and that was kind of like yeah. in heathers that was what uh christian slater was fertile pretty much got got to the end of it was like you know what this is really the only only way this can end is to destroy the whole yes. school but again heathers was made in the 80s right you could not do you could you just could not do this story now and now to prove teal wrong because it's a small nod and probably more to heathers than massacre at central high but there is a funny t- little tie-in bomb element in bottoms that reminded me of that movie you're absolutely right and uh, you know bottoms pushes it about as far as you can in terms of <laughs> i mean i got you yeah uh okay that yeah you got me <laughs> just a little bit but like this is a, that's a movie that's one a little bit you're right when i say attitude it pushes it pushes boundaries that today's society in, in making movies says you can't do a b and c and i feel like bottom successfully does a lot of those things that you're not supposed to be able to do so this is one thing my daughter has been saying in these conversations we've been having lately about media and books and how teenagers are portrayed and she basically said look the way my friends and i talk you could not put in a book or a movie without getting canceled right isn't that funny there's a there's like some contingent out there the word cancel are trying to cancel things and yet the kids themselves you know they talk in a way that's very uh frank (laughs) it's frank but also they just make a lot of inappropriate jokes that uh, are politically incorrect, but they, but it's okay for them to be making them in their little friend group, right? Right. And you know, I should be clear: they're not excluding people, but like, there's people in the friend group that are making jokes about themselves that are 
politically incorrect. Right. They could be misunderstood by the masses if they exactly. were taken out of context. It, within the context of the friend group, it's all well and good and, and fun, right? And so she felt like Bottoms was closer to how she and her friends actually talk than any other movie she's seen. And part of it is is because the movie pushes on those things and it pushes pretty far. And like the end of the movie is pretty over the top and violent and sort of really separated from reality. But my daughter thought that was more realistic than the realistic portrayals. You you said before, like it, 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 it the end of the movie is in many ways ridiculous, couldn't really happen. Uh, but in yeah. that world, the world it sets up and the rules that it sets up, it is completely fine. Exactly. Yes. And I think that's the same thing with Massacre at Central High. The rules that it sets up for itself, everything just worked perfectly. Yes. And so I I highly recommend Bottoms. I feel like if you uh, have ever enjoyed a teen movie, you will enjoy this one. Yeah, this is definitely in my like, hey, when I talk about teen movies I like, Bottoms, I'm so happy that it exists now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it... it earns itself a place even this quickly uh in you know like the top 20 of teen movies yeah that's great um and so you know massacre at central high we're skipping over a lot of the insane just goofiness and bizarreness and stuff and that's sort of i guess the pleasures for you to discover uh listener um <laughs> but uh well and, and you know massacre at central high is an acquired taste it's it's weird it's the acting is stilted the editing is very odd at times there's like too much space on the end of shots that it, it has a weird kind of amateurish flavor to it and you gotta you know be willing to accept that and go along with it to find it discover its charms i think it's what tarantino why he goes to a lot of these grindhouse things he picks out stuff that he likes that these weird low budget movies sometimes to try doing different things that bigger budget movies are less successful <laughs> yeah and, you know? and couldn't do yeah so i mean i feel like i'm so glad that the kind folks at criterion offered this up that and the hopping vampires has given me some laughs yes which i haven't seen yet but <laughs> so so 2022 was a great year for horror absolutely we're talking last year people 2022 yeah yeah oh yeah we're talking last year <laughs> and so i was thinking hey well 2022 was great maybe 2023 is going to have some great horror films for us too and uh you know and hey there's been some getting some good reviews maybe they're worth checking out so uh what's you know what's out there on the 2023 horror landscape and we went looking and we I have to say, we uh, we we came back. I think mostly empty-handed. You know, it, in this foray, where I feel like we're going out to find treats uh, for our listeners, and I didn't find. There's maybe one here that's a treat, but uh, I'll start off with this one that I that I bring. I'm starting off first because I couldn't finish watching it. Oh, okay. Last Voyage of the Demeter. Oh, you couldn't even finish watching it. No, I couldn't finish it. I mean, I read Dracula, so I read that chapter. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, the title kind of gives away the ending, right? Right. There's not a second voyage <laughs> after There's the last voyage, voyage of Demeter. This is the last one. So we're, go we're going into this assuming that a lot of – it's sort of like Massacre at Central High, right? You expect a massacre. Well, last voyage of the Demeter, I expect a bunch of people to get killed by Dracula on a boat, which is all well and good and – 
unless you spend the first 45 minutes setting up and doing character development for characters we don't care about because we know they're going to get killed and we just want to watch Dracula kill people. So instead, this movie just spend so much time on character development that and then dracula shows up and starts killing people at that point i didn't care i turned the movie off an hour into it it's uh this is studio interference it's the classic notes well we haven't really established the characters well enough so we need to put all that yeah. in there also the audience won't have anybody to engage with yeah and the, it, the, the characters i i just want to see dracula killing people that's what i showed up for and how long was this movie do you know it's it's a little over two hours, I think. See, that's a that's another problem. Cut a half hour out of that, and then you've avoided all those problems you were talking about. Yeah, so I was talking earlier about script resources, and the other thing I've noticed is the timing is off in some... Uh, the pacing is off in some of these movies. There's another one, which I think both of us watched, called Talk to Me. Yeah, that was a kind of a mini hit for 824 in theaters. It was kind of a mini hit. It's... Uh, I can see kind of why it's it's got it's definitely has its charms it's well made but the script is an absolute disaster uh as far as i'm concerned it, it, there is no story literally no plot no story no real motive on the part of the characters no development no uh action reaction and consequences none of the basic building blocks of drama for the first 40 minutes of this movie well here it is is that again it's with all these studio notes it's more invested in well we'll wait to surprise by unveiling backstory rather than giving right. you a story to follow and so it, it, it you know and I, my biggest problem for, for me in this it, it's not like it's a, a a very original movie i mean it's the idea of like some kind of talisman and you know, touch it, and you're 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 in touch with the spirit world. Let's just say, yeah. And oh, but the whole thing is a metaphor for drug addiction. It is, yeah. Apparently, oh, because uh, the um, the thing, the hand, right? You touch the hand, mm -hmm. which is totally ridiculous because everybody, like all these kids, are like recording these videos of this thing, and bad things clearly visually happen to these characters. And if that yeah. goes online, I feel like it would be. Uh, noted um, and investigated, but okay. Yeah, or somebody, I mean, yes, in multiple scenes in this movie, they're being filmed and putting videos on social media. If those got out, people would be curious about this. There would be news about it. People would be asking questions. Somebody uh, would investigate and find out more about it, and it would be easy to do because everyone's face is right there. It drove me crazy. It was a much easier buy with uh the ring right yeah that whole thing yep and the problem i have i have a problem with these movies where something happens to the character right they get exposed to this yeah. other world and then they start seeing things that nobody else can see yes and that shows up in this uh foreign uh foreign movie uh this uh mexican film that we kind of put on the list i saw it and told you forget about it, it was called hisera yeah. the bone woman and it was another thing it's a metaphor really for kind of the horror for women experiencing pregnancy and it's another one of those where She's seeing things that look very realistic, but of course, no one else sees them. And there's this right. thing that this movie does just like Talk to Me, and it's a new trope where uh, I guess it's supposed to be scary, where the characters or the ghosty characters, they all do these like 
neck contortions or other contortions oh, with yeah. cracking noises and i just don't and th- that movie smile did shit like this and i just don't like it <laughs> yeah that is a whole new thing is that yeah the creepy body movement it's almost spider-like body movements yeah now this talk to me is an australian film and then a24 picked it up and you know in fairness to that they probably were making this film and was probably in post-production when smile came out and they were probably dropping their mouths to be how similar (laughs) it was um and i think that smile which i have my problems with was a better movie than talk to me i at no point in talk to me was anything creepy i i just i didn't i really hated the execution of this screenplay i feel like the pacing was off all over the place and that by the ending i just didn't care you know you're supposed to be I don't know. There's supposed to be some great emotional journey this character has gone through, but I, I that first 20 minutes when they're setting up the characters, I just was bored out of my mind. I, I, I really, I had to force myself to get to 20 minutes on this. Yeah. And then I just stayed around because, I don't know, I guess because it was 90 minutes. Well, at least it did that right, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, it kept a 90-minute horror formula. Yeah, and so, you, you you know, you're talking about who Sarah the Bone Woman is sort of this uh, pregnancy motherhood horror, and th- another one that was on the list, which I told you not to watch, <laughs> is Birth Rebirth, which is another mother horror. Yeah, you took one for the team with that, and then I took the Sarah yes. Bone Woman one, and I was <laughs> exactly. like, I was like, originally, right? Originally, that the, we were going to do Birth Rebirth. Sarah the Bone Woman and Talk to Me. Those yeah. are like our three horrors. And they were all they were all duds. <laughs> they were all duds. And so, you know, birth rebirth, I, I wanna uh shout out to uh Malin Ireland is the actress in this. She's done a few other movies, largely a stage actress. This performance in Birth Rebirth is stunning. It's an if this was in like an adult drama, it would be an awards worthy performance. Instead, it's an indie horror movie (laughs) (laughs) that you didn't like (laughs) that I didn't really like. And one of the reasons I didn't like it is I felt like the script ran out of resources. It's an interesting concept. Uh, This this sort of mad scientist lady brings dead young girl back to life uh, or at least revives the body. The mind isn't all quite there, um, but the body is breathing and alive and the uh the daughter's uh, sorry the young girl's mother finds out that the mad scientist has done this and instead of freaking out about it the two of them team up to keep this girl alive hmm. which they have to do by using amnio fluid that they have to steal from pregnant women right so it's <laughs> That's the basic premise, but it just doesn't really build on that in any interesting way. And so the movie ends up being kind of flat. And aside from this central performance, which is amazing, uh, the movie is a huge disappointment dud. And and both of these movies, Susara and uh, Birth Rebirth, both got great reviews. So uh, I guess this is a point where I don't line up with the critics. And I think Talk To Me got some decent reviews, too. It, it did. Yeah. Yeah. They all got fairly good reviews. We don't have a ton of time, um, and I gotta want to just go through a few more of these yeah. things. So I, I do want to. I have a little funny, little funny story. Uh, another movie I attempted to watch. <laughs> In the, I was like, well, it's horror. I got to. We got to go. You know, I yeah. gotta, if I'm going to see any horror things for this episode, uh, my my littlest 
Uh, he's not that little, but he he's a huge horror fan. He watched um, Talk to Me. I don't yeah. think he really liked it, but he and his cousin recently uh, got together, and I guess his cousin who's the same age, also a horror fan. And his cousin, I don't know whether his cousin was lying, but I got a feeling he saw this. He said that he watched this Terrifier movie. Oh, which is yeah. that creepy clown, yeah. Art, Art the Clown. They made I've a seen sequel. the poster. That's about You've all I know poster. of it. And I saw the poster and I'm like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see these like Saw-like torture porn type things. That's yeah. what I kind of classified it as. And he wanted to see this Terrifier because his cousin saw it and wanted to, you know, said it was... Yeah. Great. So I said to my wife, well, if, you know, he can watch it, but you need to watch it with him because I don't want him to be like scared. And then, you know, he's a nightmare. Right. I, someone's going to be with the kid. And so she puts it on and I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm going to watch. I want to watch and I'm going to hate it. So I'm going to leave, but I'm going to watch and see what it is. <laughs> right. right. So we put this thing on. I got through 20 minutes of this movie. It is just terrible. It's like, you know, somebody got a high def cam and shot this film, you know, it's one of those people that probably shouldn't be making movies, but loves (laughs) horror. And it's so bad in so many ways. I already saw where it was going in the first few minutes. I had this prediction that even though they tried not to make the whole film look like a flashback leading up to the events of the beginning of the movie, you could just tell what was going to happen. Right. And so I left. And then afterwards, my wife, who stayed in the room but went on her phone, she said, that movie, I don't even know what happened. It was so bad. I hated it. And she got really mad because at some point, the clown kills somebody with a gun. And she's like, you don't do that in a slasher movie. You don't go pulling out a gun and killing somebody. Yeah, It's just not done. And my son had to tell me what happened at the end and it confirmed what I thought was going to happen. And he hated it too. He thought it was pretty terrible. So, okay. I'm, I'm going to avoid terrifier and terrifier too. I'm not seeing any terrifiers anymore. That was, and it wasn't scary. Uh, it was just really bad. And I know there's, I guess fans out there, but I got a question there, you know, uh, choices. Uh, so I, I saw that, but then I'm looking at your list you provided me of some of the things you saw. And yeah. uh, okay, so uh, you saw a couple, you ca- caught up on a couple of movies I had already seen yeah. and they weren't worth talking about. One I actually think is the worst film of the year. I hated so much. And the one that I hated so much was Evil Dead Rise. Absolutely awful. Such a great franchise. I, I, can't, I can't even really understand why this film was so bad. Like, it, it it does not work on any level, and I don't really know why. Because like cinematography is fine. It's set in like an apartment building or something. I, that's not the way Evil Dead should be. <laughs> it was felt yeah, like it, it was. It, it was felt like it was a different type of movie that they slapped Evil Dead on. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it felt like. It didn't have the humor or the even the scares. Uh, it, it, it's a terrible movie. I think it's the worst film I've seen this year. Uh... There may be worse to come, but that's the one that I'm. I think it's the worst that I that I watched all of. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's good. I mean, I, yeah, I always have. To, I will always preface. I, will, it, I have to see the whole thing in order to say it was the worst. And I will say that throughout most of that film, I was on my phone because it was just so bad. But I, yeah. I was there, and it was terrible, and it never got better. And my wife was mad at the end too because she loves horror, and that was terrible. I also with the with the kids. And the wife I saw a while back, Scream 6. Yes. 
and I guess you just caught up with it, and, you know, I don't know. These movies, they're just, they're their own thing, and I don't find much value in them. So, yeah, I watched it because I was thinking, okay, I'm disappointed in all the uh, all these movies are coming back duds. Hey, Scream 6 was kind of a hit. People seem to enjoy it. Maybe there's something there. Maybe it, it did something cool with the formula. I haven't seen most of the Scream movies. So I watched this just, well, I don't know, it was a hit, right? It's terrible. It's shockingly bad. It does not do anything with the concept. It's like they sit around talking about, oh, well, we're in a franchise now, not a sequel, so the main characters don't matter. But then the action of the film doesn't have anything to do with those ideas. So it's like it's just a regular slasher movie and not even a good one. Well, did you see the one before? No. Oh, well, I mean, it helps if you saw the last one because a lot of those characters are from the last one. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Like, uh, that's what I realized. It, even, if I, <laughs> even if I know the characters and know the story, it still doesn't matter because the slasher scenes are terrible. Well, it goes to prove that having Jenna Ortega in your movie is not enough. It's not enough. I yeah. think that's what they thought. Eh, Jenna Ortega is now big. She was in the last movie, by the way. But like, it's just, yes. she's not enough. The movie just, this is one that just, it, it shouldn't exist. It's just, it's just a, a chore. It's just a slog to get through. It's boring. There is a movie that I think, that I think I might end up recommending to some people, which is another one that's on our list here, which is well, wait called- Wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Time out. Because I think I know which one you're talking about, but I want to set this as I think we have time for one more. And oh, yeah. this is one we both saw. Um, I saw it first and I think I told you, hey, you know what? I don't want to tell you whether it's good or bad. You tell me it's, it's at least better than the ones we've seen. Um, and yeah. I, what intrigued me about this movie is until it popped up magically on Hulu on Friday- Yeah. I'd never even heard of this movie. I didn't know anything was coming. Uh, so there's a sci-fi thriller horror called No One Will Save You. Is this the one you were going to talk about? Th that's what I was about to bring up. Okay. So I saw this film and then I said, yeah, you know what? If you got time, why don't you check this out? Um, because again, it's a movie where it's like out of the ether. I had no prior yeah. knowledge that this movie was ever made. And now it just popped up on Hulu as like a brand new film. I guess they skipped theaters. Though I got to tell you, this yeah. would have been a better theater experience than a lot of those other horror crap that did make it to the theaters. No kidding. <laughs> and this one is like a nice tight 90 minutes. Yes. Total B movie, but it's got a, it's got a premise that... I think it all. I think the premise itself kind of hurt it a little bit, but I I appreciate the commitment to it. And the big kind yeah. of premises is, is the entire film, other than the, the fact that there's ancillary uh, dialogue, uh, you know, in the soundscape. There is really no dialogue in the entire movie, and so you rely on one main actor. Was it Caitlin Deaver? Yeah, it's Caitlin Deaver, and she's a great actress. And it relies on her ability to carry a whole 90 minutes uh, sort of action movie without any words. Without any words. And a lot of suspense, too. There's Yeah, so there's it's action, suspense, thriller, home invasion kind of movie. And yeah, so it relies entirely on her performance and visual storytelling. You know, as sort of an – as a thought experiment, it, that's fantastic. This is something I always argued in teaching screenwriting is that you don't need dialogue, actually. Dialogue is the icing on the cake. Uh, it's kind of like Hitchcock said, first you write the screenplay, then you write the dialogue. Yes. 
Right, because you you have to have your story structure, and then the dialogue helps to emphasize things and show show characters. And uh, dialogue is an action in and of itself. But basically, you've got to have your story structure solid first. In a sense, this is like. Uh, Home Alone, but with aliens. Now, in Home Alone, right, the entire movie, he's alone and he's talking to the screen. He's talking to himself. Yes. He's talking throughout, so that way you have no dead air, I guess, and that he's a little exactly. kid. Exactly, yeah. And then there's uh, Die Hard, right? Bruce Willis. He's by yes. himself all the time, but he constantly has to find ways to make jokes and talk so that he's not just a guy trying to figure things out. That's how yep. cinema likes to treat these films. Yeah. But I think that I always like, would that really happen in real life? I don't think so. I think people would be silent. Yeah, there's a few times where I could see her saying a word or two that she doesn't. But it also is, in it, it fits with her character, the way her character is built. Uh, it, it, it makes sense that she isn't talking. Well, it also, it's a challenge, right? Can you tell, can you, can you give a backstory to the character and learn why the th certain things are happening in the movie without dialogue? And this film finds a way to even do that. Yes. And I would add that, you know, this movie about maybe 10, 15 minutes in, uh, had done everything I thought was in the, in the initial concept. And then it builds on that in interesting ways. And so this is a script I feel like that does have some resources and it keeps sort of topping itself. And it has an ending that I won't give away, but it's not just a kill the big monster ending, which you usually have in movies like this, which is, okay, we killed the villain and now it's all over. This has a very different ending uh, that's really interesting and elevates the whole movie in my mind. My wife kind of put it as it sort of reminded her of like either like a Twilight Zone or a Black Mirror type episode. Yeah. Look, it's alien invasions, things that I like. Like you just mentioned that, like that first 15 minutes, like there's a point in the first act, I guess, that I was yeah. like, okay, I've kind of seen this movie. What, what else can they offer me? And then I actually got really interested in the yeah. second half of the movie, yes. which I thought was really like pretty good. And another thing that was pretty, I thought, like, why I'm, like, surprised it wasn't in the theaters, the special effects and the visuals are really great. It did are some great. very yeah. interesting things. And I'm thinking there's that scene where there's, like, a, it's a shot with her and it's, like, all red. Um, yes. And, they, like, there's just, like, some really innovative stuff. And the aliens themselves, they went with sort of this old school kind of 1970s looking close encounters type the big bulbous gray head and the big bulbous black eyes. It was awesome. <laughs> it yes, was awesome. It was fantastic. Um, but what you just said about how in the second half you you know, you know you were feeling like what else does this movie have to show me? That's what I mean by the script having resources. Is that it continues to build in the second half instead of just repeat the same premise over and over again. Yeah, because you know you get interactions with her in the town, and it's clear that everybody hates her. Yes. But without having any dialogue or, or scenes with script, you don't have any reason to understand why. So now the movie has to try to find a way to tell you these things, but again, yeah. still not have any dialogue. So uh, again, while it seems a little bit like a one-trick pony, I think it was very successful in being able to achieve all the things it wanted to achieve in the 90 minutes. Totally agree. And 
And to top it all off, it's a really fun alien invasion movie, right? Like that's a subgenre, and this uh, this is a fun movie in that subgenre that is, I I found it totally entertaining. So I guess the, the the point we're making here, kids, is you can skip over a lot of those other horror films, maybe watch yes. uh, No One Will Save You, and then uh, if you're looking for fun entertainment, check out Bottoms, and then if you're looking for bizarre cult-type movie entertainment, check out Massacre at Central High. <laughs> yeah, and otherwise, sorry, uh, so far, I know there's a few months to go, but 2023, not a great year for horror. Yeah, I mean, do we know of any horror movies that are coming up? I mean, I know that the Yorgos Lanthimos has got sort of a dark, culty-type film coming out, but I don't know if that's necessarily horror or not. You know, there's usually an October release or two, and sometimes there's a surprise like uh, Barbarian last year. Well, I get, okay, so in a couple, next week, I guess, next week, we have that uh, reboot of The Exorcist. Yeah. So I don't know. That may be good or maybe a bunch of crap. Uh, so we got that coming out. Yeah, so there's there's a few, but uh, no no hidden gems this year so far. Uh, and and I could keep going. There's there's some others I saw too that I won't recommend. But we we're out of time for the day, <laughs> sir. We're gonna keep it to the hour that we allot ourselves every week. Sounds good. Or every other week. Sorry, we're not on every week. So you know, next time, kids. I don't know yet. We don't know what we're gonna do in a couple weeks. But we'll do something, um, which gives you plenty of time to see some stuff. And we'll take suggestions, you know? Well, you can always, yeah, hit us up at uh, jimandteal at gmail.com or something. and uh, Or or drop us a line over at uh, stuffweseen.com and uh, we will uh, take it under advisement. As they say, yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, watch Bottoms. That's my takeaway from this entire episode. I'm glad you. I didn't know you'd like it that much. I mean, you didn't. You were clever. You didn't say one single thing about it to me yep. offline. So I had no idea what your thoughts were. Yeah, I I think it's fantastic. I I just you know I don't laugh that much in movies, and I laughed all the way through this, and so that <laughs> you know I gotta gotta give it a huge thumbs up for that. All right. Uh, well, take care, kids, um, and we'll talk to you later. Bye bye.